Book One, Canto Seven of the Fairy Queen by Edmund Spencer. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Thomas Copeland. Canto Seven. The Red Cross Knight is captive made by giant proud oppressed. Prince Arthur meets with Una greatly with those news distressed. What man so wise, what earthly wit so ware, as to descry the crafty, cunning train by which deceit doth mask in visor fair, and cast her colors diet deep in grain to seem like truth, whose shape she well can feign, and fitting gestures to her purpose frame the guiltless man with guile to entertain? Great maestress of her art was that false dame, the false Duessa, cloaked with Fidessa's name, who, when returning from the dreary night, she found not in that perilous house of pride where she had left the noble Red Cross Knight, her hoped prey. She would no linger bide, but forth she went to seek him far and wide. Ere long she found, whereas he weary sate, to rest himself for by a fountain side, disarmed all of iron-coated plate, and by his side his steed the grassy forage ate. He feeds upon the cooling shade, and bays his sweaty forehead in the breathing wind, which through the trembling leaves full gently plays, wherein the cheerful birds of sundry kind do chant sweet music to delight his mind. The witch, approaching, gan him fairly greet, and with reproach of carelessness unkind upbraid for leaving her in place unmeet, with foul words tempering fair, sour gall with honey sweet. Unkindness past, they gan of solace treat, and bathe in pleasance of the joyous shade, which shielded them against the boiling heat, and with green boughs decking a gloomy glade about the fountain like a girland maid, whose bubbling wave did ever freshly well, nay ever would through fervent summer fade. The sacred nymph, which therein one to dwell, was out of Dian's favour as it then befell. The cause was this. One day, when Phoebe Fair with all her band was following the chase, this nymph, quite tired with heat of scorching air, sat down to rest in middest of the race. The goddess, wroth, gan foully her disgrace, and bade the waters which from her did flow be such as she herself was then in place. Thenceforth her waters waxed dull and slow, and all that drunk thereof did faint and feeble grow. Hereof this gentle knight unweeting was, and lying down upon the sandy grail, drunk of the stream as clear as crystal glass. Eftsoons his manly forces gan to fail, and mighty strong was turned to feeble frail. His changed powers at first themselves not felt, till cruddled cold his courage gan assail, and cheerful blood in faintness chilled it melt, which like a fever fit through all his body swelt. Yet goodly court he made still to his dame, poured out in looseness on the grassy ground, both careless of his health and of his fame, till at the last he heard a dreadful sound, which through the wood loud bellowing did rebound, that all the earth for terror seemed to shake, and trees did tremble. Belf therewith astound, upstarted lightly from his looser make, and his unready weapons gan in hand to take. But ere he could his armor on him dight, or get his shield, his monstrous enemy with sturdy steps came stalking in his sight, an hideous giant, horrible and high, that with his tallness seemed to threat the sky, the ground he groaned under him for dread. His living light saw never living eye, ne durst behold. His stature did exceed the height of three, the tallest sons of mortal seed. The greatest earth his uncouth mother was, and blustering Aeolus his boasted sire, who with his breath, which through the world doth pass, 
her hollow womb did secretly inspire and filled her hidden caves with stormy ire that she conceived and trebling the due time in which the wombs of women do expire brought forth this monstrous mass of earthly slime puffed up with empty wind and filled with sinful crime so growing great through arrogant delight of the high descent whereof he was born and through presumption of his matchless might all other powers and knighthood he did scorn such now he marcheth to this man forlorn and left to loss his stalking steps are stayed upon a snaggy oak which he had torn out of his mother's bowels and it made his mortal mace wherewith his foemen he dismayed that when the knight he spied he gan advance with huge force and in supportable mane and towards him with dreadful fury prance who hapless and eke hopeless all in vain did to him pace sad battle to derain disarmed disgraced and inwardly dismayed and eke so faint in every joint and vein through that frail fountain which him feeble made that scarcely could he wield his bootless single blade the giant struck so mainly merciless that could have overthrown a stony tower and were not heavenly grace that did him bless he had been powdered all as thin as flour but he was wary of that deadly stour and lightly leapt from underneath the blow yet so exceeding was the villain's power that with the wind it did him overthrow and all his senses stound that still he lay full low as when that devilish iron engine wrought in deepest hell and framed by fury's skill with windy nitre and quick sulphur fraught and rammed with bullet round ordained to kill conceiveth fire the heavens it doth fill with thundering noise and all the air doth choke that none can breathe nor see nor hear at will through smouldry cloud of duskish stinking smoke that lonely breath him daunts who hath escaped the stroke so daunted when the giant saw the knight his heavy hand he heaved up on high and him to dust thought to have battered quite until duessa loud to him gan cry o great orgoglio greatest under sky o hold thy mortal hand for lady's sake hold for my sake and do him not to die but vanquish thine eternal bond-slave make and me thy worthy meed unto thy lemon take he hearkened and did stay from further harms to gain so goodly guerdon as she spake so willingly she came into his arms who her as willingly to grace did take and was possessed of his new-found make then up he took the slumbered senseless course and ere he could out of his swoon awake him to his castle brought with hasty force and in a dungeon deep him threw without remorse from that day forth duessa was his dear and highly honoured in his haughty eye he gave her gold and purple pall to wear and triple crown set on her head full high and her endowed with royal majesty then for to make her dreaded more of men and people's hearts with awful terror tie a monstrous beast did bred in filthy fen he chose which he had kept long time in darksome den such one it was as that renowned snake which great alcides in stramona slew long fostered in the filth of lerna lake whose many heads outbudding ever new did breed him endless labour to subdue but this same monster much more ugly was for seven great heads out of his body grew an iron breast and back of scaly brass and all imbrued in blood his eyes did shine as glass his tail was stretched out in wondrous length 
that to the house of heavenly gods it wrought, and with extorted power and borrowed strength the ever-burning lamps from thence it brought and proudly threw to ground as things of naught, and underneath his filthy feet did tread the sacred things and holy hests foretaught. Upon this dreadful beast with sevenfold head he set the false Jewessa for more awe and dread. The woeful dwarf, which saw his maesters fall whilst he had keeping of his grazing steed, and valiant knight become a caitiff thrall, when all was past, took up his forlorn weed, his mighty armor, missing most at need. His silver shield, now idle, maesterless, his poignant spear that many made to bleed, the rueful monuments of heaviness, and with them all departs to tell his great distress. He had not travelled long, when on the way he woeful lady woeful Una met, fast flying from the Paynim's greedy prey, whilst Saturnine him from pursuit did let, who, when her eyes she on the dwarf had set, and saw the signs that deadly tidings spake, she fell to ground, for sorrowful regret, and lively breath her sad breasted forsake, yet might her piteous heart be seen to pant and quake. The messenger of so unhappy news would fain have died, dead was his heart within, yet outwardly some little comfort shows. At last, recovering heart, he does begin to rub her temples and to chafe her chin, and every tender part does toss and turn. So hardly he the flitted life does win unto her native prison to return. Then gins her grieved ghost thus to lament and mourn. Ye dreary instruments of doleful sight, that do this deadly spectacle behold. Why do ye linger feed on loathed light, or liking find to gaze on earthly mould, sith cruel fates the careful threads unfold, the which my life and love together tied? Now let the stony dart of senseless cold pierce to my heart, and pass through every side, and let eternal night so sad sight from me hide. O lightsome day, the lamp of highest Jove, first made by him men's wandering ways to guide. When darkness he in deepest dungeon drove, henceforth thy hated face forever hide, and shut up heaven's windows shining wide. For earthly sight cannot but sorrow breed, and late repentance, which shall long abide. Mine eyes no more on vanity shall feed, but sealed up with death shall have their deadly meed. Then down again she fell into the ground, but he her quickly reared up again. Thrice did she sink adown in deadly swound, and thrice he her revived with busy pain. At last, when life recovered had the rein, and over-wrestled his strong enemy, with faltering tongue and trembling every vein, Tell on, quoth she, the woeful tragedy the which these relics sad present unto mine eye. Tempestuous fortune hath spent all her spite, and thrilling sorrow thrown his utmost dart. Thy sad tongue cannot tell more heavy plight than that I feel, and harbour in mine heart. Who hath endured the whole can bear each part. If death it be, it is not the first wound that launched hath my breast with bleeding smart. Begin and end the bitter, baleful stound. If less than that I fear, more favor I have found. Then gan the dwarf the whole discourse declare, the subtle trains of Archimago old, the wanton loves of false Fidessa fair, bought with the blood of vanquished Paynim bold. 
the wretched pair transformed to tree and mould, the house of pride and perils round about, the combat which he with sense joy did hold, the luckless conflict with the giant stout, wherein captived of life or death he stood in doubt. She heard with patience all unto the end, and strove to maister sorrowful essay, which greater grew the more she did contend, and almost rent her tender heart in tway, and love fresh coals unto her fire did lay. For greater love, the greater is the loss. Was never lady loved dearer day than she did love the knight of the red cross, for whose dear sake so many troubles her did toss. At last, when fervent sorrow slaked was, she up arose, resolving him to find alive or dead, and forward forth doth pass, all as the dwarf the way to her assigned. And evermore, in constant careful mind, she fed her wound with fresh renewed bale. Long tossed with storms and bet with bitter wind, high over hills and lower down the dale, she wandered many a wood and measured many a vale. At last she chanced by good hap to meet a goodly knight, there marching by the way together with his squire arrayed meet. His glitter and armor shined far away like glancing light of Phoebus' brightest ray. From top to toe no place appeared bare that deadly dint of steel and danger may. Athwart his breast a baldric grave he ware that shined like twinkling stars with stones most precious rare. And in the midst thereof, one precious stone of wondrous worth, and eke of wondrous mites, shaped like a lady's head, exceeding shone, like Hesperus amongst the lesser lights, and strove for to amaze the weaker sights. Thereby his mortal blade full comely hung in ivory sheath, becarved with curious lights, whose hilts were burnished gold, and handles strong of mother pearl, and buckled with a golden tongue. His haughty helmet, horrid all with gold, both glorious brightness and great terror bred. O'er all the crest a dragon did unfold with greedy paws, and over all did spread his golden wings. His dreadful, hideous head, close couched on the beaver, seemed to throw from flaming mouth bright sparkles, fiery red, that sudden horror to faint hearts did show and scaly tail was stretched adown his back full low. Upon the top of all his lofty crest, a bunch of hairs discolored diversely with sprinkled pearl and gold full richly dressed, did shake and seem to dance for jollity. Like to an almond tree mounted high on top of green Salinas, all alone, with blossoms brave bedecked daintily, whose tender locks do tremble every one at every little breath that under heaven is blown. His warlike shield all closely covered was, they might of mortal eye be ever seen, not made of steel, nor of enduring brass, such earthly metals soon consumed been, but all of diamond perfect, pure and clean it framed was, one massy entire mould, hewn out of adamant rock with engines keen, that point of spear it never piercing could, a dint of direful sword divide the substance wood. The same to white he never wont disclose, but when as monsters huge he would dismay, or daunt unequal armies of his foes, or when the flying heavens he would affray, for so exceeding shone his glistering ray, that Phoebus' golden face it did attaint, 
as when a cloud his beams doth overlay and silver cynthia wexed pale and faint as when her face is stained with magic arts constraint no magic arts hereof had any might nor bloody words of bold enchanters called but all that was not such as seemed in sight before that shielded fade and sudden fall and when him list the rascal routs appall men into stones therewith he could transmew and stones to dust and dust to naught at all and when him list the prouder looks subdue he would them gazing blind or turn to other hue ne let it seem that credence this exceeds for he that made the same was known right well to have done much more admirable deeds it merlin was which whilom did excel all living whites in might of magic spell both shield and sword and armor all he wrought for this young prince when first to arms he fell but when he died the fairy queen it brought to fairyland where yet it may be seen if sought a gentle youth his dearly loved squire his spear of heavenwood behind him bare whose harmful head thrice heated in the fire had riven many a breast with pikehead square a goodly person and could manage fairy's stubborn steed with curbed cannon bit who under him did trample as the air and chafed that any on his back should sit the iron rowels into frothy foam he bit when as this knight nigh to the lady drew with lovely court he gan her entertain but when he heard her answers loath he knew some secret sorrow did her heart distrain which to allay and calm her storming pain fair feeling words he wisely gan display and for her humour fitting purpose fain to tempt the cause itself for to be ray wherewith moved these bleeding words she gan to say what world's delight or joy of living speech can heart so plunged in sea of sorrows deep and heaped with so huge misfortunes reach the careful cold beginneth for to creep and in my heart his iron arrow steep soon as i think upon my bitter bale such helpless harms it's better hidden keep than rip up grief for it may not avail my last left comfort is my woes to weep and wail ah lady dear quoth then the gentle knight well may i ween your grief is wondrous great for wondrous great grief groaneth in my sprite whiles thus i hear you of your sorrows treat but woeful lady let me you entreat for to unfold the anguish of your heart mishaps are maestered by advice discreet and counsel mitigates the greatest smart found never help who never would his hurts impart oh but quoth she great grief will not be told and can more easily be thought than said right so quoth he but he that never would could never will to might gives greatest aid but grief quoth she does greater grow displayed if then it find not help and breeds despair despair breeds not quoth he where faith is stayed no faith so fast quoth she but flesh does pair flesh may impair quoth he but reason can repair his goodly reason and well-guided speech so deep did settle in her gracious thought that her persuaded to disclose the breach which love and fortune in her heart had wrought and said fair sir i hope good hap hath brought you to inquire the secrets of my grief 
or that your wisdom will direct my thought, or that your prowess can me yield relief. Then hear the story sad which I shall tell you brief. The forlorn maiden, whom your eyes have seen the laughing stock of fortune's mockeries, and the only daughter of a king and queen, whose parents dear whilst equal destinies did run about, and their felicities the favourable heavens did not envy, did spread their rule through all the territories which Phison and Euphrates floweth by, and Gion's golden waves do wash continually. Till that their cruel, cursed enemy and huge great dragon, horrible in sight, bred in the loathly lakes of Tartary, with murderous raven and devouring might their kingdom spoiled, and country wasted quite. Themselves, for fear into his jaws to fall, he forced to castle strong to take their flight, where, fast embarred in mighty brazen wall, he has them now four years besieged to make them thrall. Full many knights adventurous and stout of enterprise that monster to subdue. From every coast that heaven walks about have thither come the noble martial crew that famous hard achievements still pursue. Yet never any could that girland win, but all still shrunk, and still he greater grew. All they, for want of faith, or guilt of sin, the piteous prey of his fierce cruelty have been. At last they led with far-reported praise, which flying fame throughout the world had spread, of doughty knights whom fairyland did raise, that noble order height of maidenhead, forthwith to court of Gloriane I sped, of Gloriane great queen of glory bright, whose kingdom's seat Cleopolis is red, there to obtain some such redoubted knight that parents dear from tyrants' power deliver might. It was my chance, my chance was fair and good, therefore to find a fresh unproved knight whose manly hands, imbrued in guilty blood, had never been, nay ever by his might had thrown to ground the unregarded right. Yet of his prowess proof he since hath made, I witness am, in many a cruel fight. The groaning ghosts of many one dismayed have felt the bitter dint of his avenging blade. And ye, the forlorn relics of his power, his biting sword and his devouring spear, which have endured many a dreadful stour, can speak his prowess that did erst you bear, and well could rule. Now he hath left you here to be the record of his rueful loss, and of my doleful disadventurous dear. O heavy record of the good red cross, where have you left your lord that could so well you toss? Well hoped I, and fair beginnings had, that he my captive languor should redeem, till all unweeting an enchanter bad his sense abused, and made him to misdeem my loyalty, not such as it did seem, that rather death desire than such despite. Be judge, ye heavens, that all things right esteem how I him loved, and love with all my might. So thought I eke of him, and think I thought aright. Thenceforth me desolate he quite forsook, To wander where wild fortune would me lead, And other byways he himself betook, Where never foot of living white did tread That brought not back the baleful body dead, In which him chanced false duessa meet, Mine only foe, mine only deadly dread, Who with her witchcraft and misseeming sweet inveigled him to follow her desires unmeet. At last, by subtle slights, she him betrayed unto his foe, a giant huge and tall, 
who him disarmed, dissolute, dismayed, unwares surprised, and with mighty maul the monster merciless him made to fall, whose fall did never foe before behold, and now in darksome dungeon, wretched thrall, remidless, for a he doth him hold. This is my cause of grief, more great than may be told. Ere she had ended all, she gan to faint, but he her comforted and fair bespake, Certes, madam, ye have great cause of plaint, that stoutest heart I ween could cause to quake. But be of cheer and comfort to you take, for till I have acquit your captive knight, assure yourself, I will you not forsake. His cheerful words revived her cheerless sprite, so forth they went, the dwarf them guiding ever right. End of Book One, Canto Seven. Recording by Thomas Copeland.